When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You know the best thing about Blue White Illustrated is uh, th- there's there's a bunch of things, but one of the things I love the most is that we have this awesome staff of people that bring different perspectives and they bring different ideas to the table. And I'm always happy to talk to the big picture guy, Nate Bowers, back from LA. We're going to talk about legacy. We're going to talk about Sean Clifford, the Rose Bowl, and we're going to get to some of the interesting things uh, he heard and saw, both pre and post game. With some of the new Penn State football players, we got the first chance to talk to. So that's coming up today on the BWI Daily Edition. Hey, we're live. Nate, you're back. How was everything? T Frank, I got to tell you something right off the bat. What's that? Uh, Fitz and I were in a coffee shop uh, the day of the game in downtown LA and uh, you know, like very bougie kind of place, right? Like right up my alley. Just I was going to say you fit in perfectly. I bet. Yeah. They, they didn't make a correct cappuccino, but that's a different story. Uh, (laughs) And you know, (laughs) and this guy, I've seen your cappuccino maker, you know, (laughs) yeah, this, this guy was there and, uh, he, he was like kind of flustered like behind us and and he was just like guys uh, i just i i have to say that like are you on youtube do you guys do youtube <laughs> <laughs> and we were very much like yes yes we do so, so let me shout straight. out shout Go out ahead. to bruno from brazil who lives in Virginia and watches the show. He said that he likes Fitz more than me, but I honestly, it was all okay. Like it was all good. (laughs) It was very flattering to be recognized in downtown Los Angeles. So you had a celebrity moment in Los Angeles. I think that, I mean, you you officially have arrived, right? Like you now I now have to, you have star status. Are we going to get you a star on the Hollywood walk of fame? Now he asked, he asked to take a picture with us. Like we (laughs) Took our, we took our picture with him. I That's was, the full. On, that that is the full on celebrity experience. He didn't ask you to yeah. sign anything, did he? No, but it, I, you know, l- listen. Like other than the birth of my children, this was one of the highlights of my life. I, I mean, I was just totally floored. It was really great. Well, that is super awesome, and uh, I would like to further these experiences for Nate when he goes on the road to games. So. Uh, yeah, let's let's bring this to West Lafayette. Come on, guys. <laughs> to make up for yesterday for forgetting, please like the video. We're here on YouTube live. We're talking to you. Ask Nate some questions like uh, what was wrong with the cappuccino that they made? And uh, what did he think of the Rose Bowl? What does he think of Sean Clifford? We're taking your questions tonight on the live show. That's why we go live to interact with you and to help us interact with people and grow Nate Bauer's fame. Please like the video. Share the video with your friends. And uh, we'll get this gravy train rolling. We got some people here tonight already, uh, already going. This is clickbait, and I'm here for it. All of it. Answer <laughs> is no. 
if you read the title and you clicked on that, you know what Steven is talking about. Um, I would, I would, I would disagree. Clickbait is something that has no substance to it or is overhyped. I think our conversation about legacy is appropriate now. We're going to get into that today on the BWI Daily Edition. We're going to talk about that for Sean, uh, for Sean Clifford and for James Franklin after a Rose Bowl victory. Uh, there's a couple things I want to get to before that. The first one is obviously subscribe to Blue Eyed Illustrated here on YouTube. Once again, we need to make sure we can now pay to keep Nate Bauer because I, I feel like the next contract negotiation is going to be yeah. significantly different now that he has yeah. been recognized not only here, but at Wegmans too. Like you're a, you're a celebrity at Wegmans. You know how many people hate it that I talk about this? Listen, I, guys, I've been doing this for like 20 years and all of that has been in anonymity. And so to ever be recognized, it's not about me. It's not about me. It's like the, the, the notion that our work is making it out into the broader sphere is uh, is very, very cool. So Absolutely. Truly, it's literally flattering. That's the, over the top. That's the idea. That's the idea of what we're doing here. Um, so. Wanted to focus, so yesterday on the BWI Daily Edition, we talked with Ryan Snyder. He was field level, so he got to see a lot of stuff up close. He gave us some really interesting insights. You went out there and you talked to some players, so I want to get kind of a player level view of the Rose Bowl from you. I want to get your perspective of some of the guys that we got to hear from officially as Nittany Lions for the first time. Um, The most famous of which, and you are our Nick Singleton reporter on on the beat. So yeah. I wanted to get some of your feedback of what Nick was like in person, what he said, and uh, some of the other guys that you talked to for the first time. So let's start with Nick. What was something interesting that came out of that or something that you thought was insightful that he had to say? Yeah, I don't I, I don't I mean, look, like, first of all, when you have a player that's of his talent, uh, but talks about how much room he has to improve and uh, the the development that he's excited for, I think it speaks to just how he's wired, right? Um, but I also think that the way he talks in general also speaks to the way he's wired. And I don't know if anybody's caught, uh, you know, his uh, Rose Bowl Media Day interview that he did. He was, you know, there were a bunch of reporters and certainly that can be a little bit of an overwhelming experience uh, for, for some guys, you know, this is the Gatorade national player of the year last year. Uh, he is, he has notoriety. He is a guy who was ranked number one in his class at running back. Like this is, this is a person who has been around some national thing, right? He went to LA for the, the, it doesn't matter. My point is he's been through it a little bit. And yet if you, talk to him and if you are around him it doesn't seem like that at all he's so uh humble and green and just feels very new to the spotlight that uh, seems pretty low-key too just from hearing him he's he's kind of a low-key guy listening to what he said and not to interject here but you want to yeah. see if you want to hear what his voice sounds like by the way because i'm always curious about that what does a guy sound like for the first time when you hear him uh you interviewed him. It's over on our YouTube channel. Don't click away right now, but you can go check that out in a little bit. Um, you know, just that I, I find all of that stuff fascinating. Uh, yeah. Uh, I'm really excited for what's next. <laughs> he wanted to get better. He wanted to improve. I'm, that was one thing that you, uh, you talked to him a little bit about was the improvement and, and 
the specifics are always what I'm interested in, but it's kind of the general theme of improvement that I think was kind of the through line of, of what you two discussed from what I saw. Yeah, I think so. I, th- I think that, uh, you know, certainly it's, it's a guy who uh, appreciates and has a recognition of the accomplishment that he's had already the thousand yard barrier, obviously the impact that he made on the team this year, but also a, a recognition of uh, he-, he truly does have uh, so much potential. Right. I mean, and you, and you see it in, yes, the run, right? Yeah. 87 yard touchdown run on the brightest stage that there is in college football, absent obviously the playoff. Um, you know, that that's like it's there. It's 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 there to see. Uh, but also what's there to see is a, a drop pass, right? Some, something that happens uh, in the course of the game where you think to yourself, oh, well, if, if he could if he could add this. Right. If he could do this and add it to his game, uh, th- there's just so many more ways that Penn State would be able to utilize him and accentuate those strengths even more. I mean, it's it, it is he's the type of guy who I think excites a, a, a guy. I mean, really, uh, I talked to Mike Yurcich a little bit uh, and I haven't gone through all of it, but like him and Catron Allen, Nick Singleton and Catron Allen. He understands like these are guys who you have to give the football. You have to feed them the football. It excites Mm -hmm. them to feed these guys the football. Uh, And so, yeah, no, I I think that it's uh, it it sets Nick up. Well, Um, obviously, Catron had a nice game uh, in the Rose Bowl as well. So those guys have a ton of potential. And uh, it's really just the beginning of what their potential is at Penn State. Seven carries. He got seven. I remember at the in the uh, third quarter. Maybe it was at halftime. He had six carries. And at one of the long runs, I, I thought to myself, he's going to need more than six in this game. And he got one more, and it was 87 yards. Uh, Tom <laughs> points out something that I, I think a lot of us were, were having flashbacks to, especially depending on how long you go back. Tom says, Penn State, three of the greatest Rose Bowl runs in history. John Carter, Saquon Barkley, Nick Singleton. Nice re- track record of long TD runs. It does seem to be a rite of passage when you go to the Rose Bowl if you're a Penn State running back to have... <laughs> a breakout performance for the national stage, right? Like Nick Singleton has plenty of breakout performances in his, in his uh, freshman season, but this one on that stage had a certain magnitude to it of he has arrived, even if it was just on seven runs. Yeah. I thought, I thought certainly the Auburn game put him on that bigger national stage where you're right. I mean, you're doing it on a national, uh, a national CBS game, but yeah, it's the, it's the Rose bowl. It's the Rose Bowl. Uh, and, and it did, like, uh, yes, it is significant in the history of Penn State's impact on the game and and those big runs. But also, it, worked, it, like, it really did change the entire momentum of that game. Uh, it is very easy to forget now that that was a game where Utah was winning field position. Utah won the second quarter uh, in effect in how the game was turning and Penn state's pinned deep and Nick Singleton, you know, third and two, uh, they, Penn state very well. If, if Penn state had not picked up that first down, Penn state is punting the ball to basically midfield to Utah mm-hmm. and things are still rolling for Utah. Instead, it's a seven point run and the rest is history. Uh, some of the other guys you talked to, uh, I'm I'm interested in the freshmen, but um, you yeah. know because we haven't heard from them before. Who who else among that group did you have a chance to speak to, if any? Uh, Bo Perbula was the one guy. We you know we all kind of uh, obviously Fitz was out there, and so was Greg and Ryan, and so we all uh, did a little divide and conquer. And and media day is just uh, 
it's different even from like Penn State preseason media day because at least a preseason media day, they're spread out on the field by position group. And, yeah. you know, just kind of is what it is. Uh, a lot of this was all, it was raining outside, first of all, but then they're all crammed into these uh, round tables. And there's a <laughs> hotel ballroom, right? Uh, it, uh, no, it was in a tent in the parking lot of the road. Oh, <laughs> that's yeah. different then. Yeah. And it's, and it's everybody. So everybody that made the trip is, is there. Uh, and so obviously that includes all of the freshmen. Uh, it includes all the assistant coaches, so on and so forth. So in any case, uh, I, I talked to two freshmen. One was Nick Singleton. The other one was Bo Perbula and Perbula was great. He was great. I mean, I, I think that he, Certainly has an appreciation for what what his experience has been at Penn State. He felt like he's grown a ton at Penn State. Again, that Mike Yersich influence. I think these guys, uh, the Sean Clifford influence, it's kind of it's going to be something that I'm talking about really all offseason is just the dynamic of how those guys. It's not just uh, Drew Aller, right? It, it's Bo Perbula as well who had that opportunity to take in all of this knowledge from a guy in Sean Clifford who <laughs> like, let's not go down the path, right? Let's not go down the path of Sean Clifford and everything he is and everything he isn't. But if there was a game that demonstrated all that he has absorbed through his Penn state career, it feels like the Rose bowl is that, yeah. Right. Like the, the, the pre-check or the pre-snap reads, the, the, the different things that he was doing at the line of scrimmage. Uh, it, it was just so obvious that he had, it, it was kind of like this final crescendo masterful performance from him of, of all of those little things that again, we've been talking about all year that just differentiate between what a true freshman can do uh, and what a guy of his experience can do. And and those yeah. guys were able to absorb those lessons through the course of the year. Uh, we'll be getting to Sean Clifford in, in just a little bit. Um, and I don't, so this is always the problem. I like to have a good time. I like to have fun. Um, we're talking about some very serious things and I don't want to undercut you while you're talking, but uh, we got to get to Steven because as uh, as a regular here, he donates to the channel so much. I appreciate him so much. So thank you for this donation. If you want to join him in uh, putting in a super chat, we appreciate that. Helps us in the new year with our budgeting stuff. And like I said, negotiations for Nate are going to be uh, different this time around because he says, we're going to lose Big Daddy Nate. Please slash, smash the like button because Steve uh, Shangrius, I, I, I don't know how to say your name. Nate got a Hey Nate uh, in the parking lot outside the stadium. Yeah. And then... We got Hunter, who says, even when I saw Nate after the game, I hit him up with a, hey, Nate, famous from household to household all over. Now, uh, I do want to take some credit here because as famous as you are, I knew this was going to be a talking point, so I do want to address this. Ryan, he, he, you know, Ryan Snyder, our coworker, says, kids are asking why the Christmas tree is down and mine is still up. So I want to address this. Um, normally what I have behind me is a green screen on which I project the logo you usually see for Christmas. I wanted to be festive. So I put the Christmas tree up. Here's the problem. I enjoy not having the green screen up so much, but I don't have anything else to put in the background. So it looks like I'm in an olive void if I don't have something. So hopefully this weekend, Great. I'll be able to put up some shelves or something, but until then you get the Christmas tree. So it might be up until February, depending on my carpentry skills. 
T Frank, so don't get, re- get don't, ready for the Christmas tree. <laughs> as a guy with shiplap and pictures of my children behind me, don't don't put up the replica helmets, please. So this has been one of, and again, I'm sorry to derail the entire show here, but this has been one of the most frustrating conversations I've had with people who air check shows, right? Um, and people who who have a vested interest in improving the show. And and I appreciate these conversations, but I'm usually very strident about what's in the picture should represent me. And everyone's like, put up a fat head or put up, a, you know, a, they call it a tarp, right? It's just a, a shiny thing with a logo behind you. And I'm like, I gave, I'll admit, I gave in previously, but I want to have some interesting things in the shot. But that takes time and planning. And I've got to look at Storm Duck and the Penn State defense this week. And it's Thursday. So (laughs) there's a lot of film to go through. David says, too many times over his career, I see Sean run up the line, point out, yell, et cetera, just to see him take a sack uh, or tackle for loss. Sean was immaculate, capped off a great career at Penn State. I believe you call that a backhanded compliment from David. (laughs) No, I mean, for Sean Clifford, it was great. Yeah. (laughs) I'm kidding. (laughs) um caden wallace you talked to caden wallace and and you actually broke the news um on was it saturday that he was coming back yeah the days all blend together uh yeah two days before the game uh was was media day and yeah no he was sitting by himself and it was just like hey you know because there there had been some indication for what it's worth, like there had been some indication that there was a decision to be made there uh, as mm-hmm. to, you know, whether or not to come back. Um, you know, he's a guy who's gotten really uh, since the 2020 season, like a, a ton of snaps. I mean, if you look through the rep counts of returning offensive linemen, Caden Wallace is right up there. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, obviously even more so than Olu Fashanu. So uh, yeah, just, you know, Hey, what are you going to do? And he said there was no decision to be made. Uh, he he wanted to be back with his guys. He still had room to improve. There were things that he wanted to do and accomplish. So, um, yeah, I mean, for a guy who missed some time there at the end of the season uh, with injury, I think, you know, um, like I'm not here to say who makes a right decision or a wrong decision, but it, it would seem like a good decision for him. Uh, yeah. to, to, to have made that, to, to have that opportunity. You've seen, I think that there's a demonstration this past year of the strides that players who have worked with Phil Troutwine have been able to take. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think it stands to reason that he's a guy who with another year and some good health and uh, you know, the normal off season progression of development could have a pretty nice year next year. Yeah. That's one thing where, we kind of got cut off at the knees watching that because early in the season, you're still, things are still kind of coming together. Like, you know, I've talked to James Franklin in the past about like, would you want a preseason? Because you kind of, you go in cold, you go from training camp right into games. And um, there were some struggles out of the gate. Now, part of that is, you know, just kind of limited opportunity, um, some struggles in certain games and they didn't throw the ball as much at the beginning of the season. Um, And then, being put on an Island at times, but as the season went on, he was getting better. He was improving, but then in some of the biggest challenges of the year, Penn state doesn't have a chance to throw the ball a ton against uh, Michigan with the game still on the line, right? Like with the game still within reach. And then uh, he doesn't play against Ohio state. So, you know, he's coming back, 
what strides did he make this year that we didn't see and what can do this offseason? So that is a very interesting conversation about a guy that I think we could see is physically talented, has the size, has good feet. Is he playing out of position at right tackle? We've had that conversation back and forth. I talked to him in the preseason about what he was doing to improve, and he talked about bend, flexibility, doing yoga, being more mobile, losing some weight and, you know, kind of leaning out and still being 320 some pounds. That's, that's what you want. Like that's what you're looking for in a tackle. And then we didn't kind of, we didn't get to see like Sean Clifford and some of the other players this year. We didn't get to see him put it all together in the context of the offense. So um, it's interesting because he's a guy that I feel like we have an opinion on, yeah. but it might not be correct at this point because he didn't play after week eight, basically. Yeah. No, I'm with you. I, I, I don't, uh, I, I don't know that the opinion is necessarily warranted. Put it that way. I, I do right. think that there is, there are, there are things to still learn about Caden and, uh, you know, see how he fares. Like you're right. I mean, if he, to, to have not been able to compete in some of those instances and have the normal progression through the course of a season, uh, yeah, it, it leaves some question marks and ones yeah. that I'm sure he's determined to answer next season. This is interesting because like in the context of Sean Clifford, and I, I can't help it, we're going to sprinkle stuff in here and there about kind of the main story tonight. Um, you look back at this season and you put into it, Obviously, there is going to be massive disagreement about Sean Clifford's role in the yep. Ohio State game, whether or not you uh, blame him for all turnovers that happen that he's associated with, or if you allow context of situation and supporting cast and some of the events around him to alleviate some of his responsibility. If, if we just agree to remove that one, he still had a very good second half of the season in so much so that it kind of, when you look at the, the totality of his career, it, um, I think it recalibrates some of the things, you know, some of the big picture questions people ask me, um, after the game. And this is why I love having you here, Nate is because I'm terrible at those, especially in the moment. And then when you have a couple of days to think about it, you look at some thing, you look at some, some of the film and you kind of ruminate on stuff. Then you might have more of a mature opinion on it, uh, rather than in the moment, but you always seem to have a very mature opinion on things. Um, quick. Yeah. Let's not get carried away. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Speaking of getting carried away, one thing I want to get to here on the BWI Daily Edition, something I'm very happy with, is that we have show sponsors and that we have people that believe in this show. And we want you to support them because they are a vital part of this just like you are. It, it You know, it's, it's all about teamwork, right? And RogueShop.com has been a sponsor of the BWI live shows here uh, since the beginning of the football season. They're a strong sponsor. So if you want... Um, holistic medicine and your let's say you're getting the winter blues the afterglow of the rose bowl is kind of winding down and this is the the year where you realize we just have winter until it's spring right all the holidays are basically over because valentine's day was made up um well rogueshop.com can help you with that also like if you have a serious problem with depression you probably see a licensed therapist but if you just you know you you need something Uh, especially if you're dealing with pain in your life, rogueshop.com is a great way, a natural way to help you out and to uh, help alleviate some of those problems. 
I firmly believe in natural holistic medicine. I'm not against Western medicine, by the way. But if there's a natural way to do something, probably better that than anything else. So that's what they believe. And so I, I love having people that are part of the show that are aligned. And I feel like I can speak about this. We use the Delta 9 THC gummies here for sleep, especially. Uh, my wife, uh, she, I think she's okay with me saying this. I talked about it the other day. She was having a hard time sleeping the other day. She was going through some stuff. Um, and uh, she took one of the gummies and she fell asleep. And she was able to get restorative sleep, which made the rest of the week better. She has headaches all the time. And if sometimes you can't sleep if your head is pounding. Well, finding a way to deal with that, deal with stress, deal with everything that comes with the natural life that we all lead, staring at screens all day, rogueshop.com. If you have any of these issues, they can help you out. And use the promo code BWI for 10% off. That will help you out. And to let them know you're coming from the, the daily show. You're coming here from the live show. So check them out, rogueshop.com. As always, thanks to them for being a sponsor of the show. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Um, let's get to that legacy talk now. I think this is a good time to talk about it, Nate. Uh, mm. we, let, we talked about Sean Clifford, so let's start there. Yeah. Cotton Bowl win. Rose Bowl win. Two 11-win mm -hmm. seasons, bookending a pandemic. This is what we talked about earlier in the year when we talked, you know, they could go on this run and he could have this very juxtaposed career. Yeah. What have you been thinking about it this week now that you've kind of now that all the story is written? What do you see? Uh, yeah, it's it's complicated because, uh, you know, I think that there has to be a middle ground between. Like effusive praise, right? and abject misery right? like uh that we, we have to be able to recognize shortcomings for sure you, you know yeah. like is, is, sean, is sean clifford the most talented quarterback that penn state has ever had no of course not yeah uh, did he play there... poorly in the past yes he did at, at times right. yes yeah. but also had plenty of great moments right had yeah. plenty of great games and things that he did very well through his career. And, I, I, you know, the, the <laughs> it, it feels almost like a troll at this point on my part. And I don't intend it to be. Right. But, like, in praise of boring and consistency and, and uh, maturity and just, right, like, all of those different ingredients that aren't sexy that everyone likes to brush past fascinate me about, this team next year, right? And what happens when the guys who were through it 
and went through stuff yeah, and came out on the other side and had a great year this year. What happens when they're not around, right? Uh, There was a very similar equation after the 2017 season, right? Where you had a bunch of guys, Saquon was gone. The Gasicki was gone. Like there were, there were a bunch of guys who were a big part of that. uh, Those two seasons in 2016 and 2017 who were no longer around. Uh, and so what, what happens, what happens to your culture, what happens to your locker room, what happens to the character of a team and, and every team every year takes on different characteristics, but, yeah. uh, certainly I think that that's a, a, a big thing to watch. And I think that Sean Clifford is a big, big, big part of that equation of, Hey, it, like, uh, here, here's a guy who, again, navigated a lot of tricky stuff. I, I just look. Uh, I talked to PJ Mustafer and PJ Mustafer brought it up. I did not. But after the Rose Bowl, PJ Mustafer was asked by someone else, not me, about Sean Clifford's legacy and, you know, so on and so forth. And PJ Mustafer, I wrote about it. PJ Mustafer said, Hey, this is a guy who got booed uh, before his home crowd, <laughs> right? Yeah. Right. On, on homecoming. Like, uh, and he was, he was, ticked like he's like pj mustafer after just winning a huge game in his career when asked about sean clifford that's the first thing that he thinks of and that's the first thing that he brought up is this moment of you know just real disappointment in in how this this teammate of his was received and he said something to the effect of hey uh, you know when i see something that's wrong I, i call it out and that's my responsibility as a leader that's my responsibility um, you know, as a teammate and and so on and so forth. And so, yeah, like for Sean Clifford to come out of all of that, all of the disappointment of, of 2020, certainly getting benched, coming back, uh, getting hurt in the 2021 season, some of, some of the, the, you know, obviously the disappointment of an undefeated team losing at Michigan in the middle of the season, yeah, to 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 navigate that, to get through that, and be able to come out on the other side and have not just a winning performance in, against Utah, but to do it the way that he did, the type of game that he had. I mean, I think uh, I think Ryan brought it up. It, it was his highest graded PFF grade uh, for a game for his career. Yeah, I want to be specific about this too, passing grade as well, because you know we. When we do the PFF grades over at bluewhiteillustrated.com, $29.99 to sign up for now until next season. So if you didn't get the $10 offer, sorry, like we don't control these things, you missed out. But it's still an unbelievable deal between now and next year to sign up for $29.99 to get access to premium content. So uh, one of the things we do is we, we give the overall grades, right? And And they are just plopping in front of you a number. But the individual categories of, passing grade, run grade, fumble, receiving grade. Those to me are the actual context because if he fumbles in a game or he didn't do well running and it it lowers his overall grade, no one cares. It was the highest passing grade of the bowl season. No other quarterback played as well as Sean Clifford from a PFF passing perspective on a down-to-down play than than he did. And that that includes Heisman winners and guys that are going to be a number one draft pick. So it was truly an exceptional game. Sorry, that was my rant. Yeah, no, I concur. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I everybody totally, in the I, everybody in the I, chat doesn't want to talk about this anymore. So let's move on. I, I totally cut you off. I apologize. Um, 
but that's just one thing that's always like it, it's um we that whole thing is this is not an important topic to have on the show but it's all it, it it's it's always a conversation about ah what does it even mean blah 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 if you give it context that's that's always what i'm that's what i'm trying to do with our film studies is provide that context and that's yeah. when when you see those things align yeah the other half of this conversation is james franklin yep so we talked about the cotton bowl the rose bowl the fiesta bowl three of the six new year's bowl games multiple double digit win seasons uh not we're nine years in now yeah so this is there's only two coaches at Penn State. This is the hard part. It's like there's only two coaches to talk about. And so do you compare him to Joe Paterno, which seems like a, a mountain, like that's an Everest of time to compare him to? Or do you compare him to his contemporaries? Either way, the legacy conversation for James Franklin, I feel like we can have the, that conversation now. So to you, yeah. what what is that at this point? Yeah, I, I, I think it's. I don't know if two like the story is being written. So legacy doesn't feel right to me. My, my question is what is Penn state traditionally? Like what, mm -hmm. what is Penn state? What, what, what Joe Paterno or not? What, what has the program been previously and what is it now? And my answer pretty definitively is it is just as relevant. If not more relevant, it is just as positioned to be, a national contender type program uh, as it's really kind of ever been. Um, and I know that's going to rub some people the wrong way, but it, it just is <laughs> like uh, James Franklin keeps saying, you know, who we've been, right. That's like, it's this little catchphrase that he, I don't yeah. know if he knows that he's saying it, but he talks about like, Oh, well that's, that's not who we've been or, or that is who we've been uh, when talking about bouncing back this year, compared to 2020 and 2021. Right. And the numbers bear it out, right? Four mm -hmm. 11 win seasons out of the last seven, right? That like, yeah. that's consistency. That is, that is, and, and you, you can easily identify the reasons, the thing, first of all, they didn't even play 11 games in 2020, right? Like I just, <laughs> right. Oh, I hate 2020 <laughs> with such I a know. passion. Uh, it just drives me absolutely bananas that we're having conversations about teams that didn't play the same number of games. Yeah. Uh, in the same in, circumstances, none of it was the same circumstance. Right. But in any case, in any case, uh, you can look at it, you can look at it and say, Hey, uh, here is a coach who has developed and built upon and furthered a program that traditionally has done a lot of the same things. And, so, you know, I see, I see the comment about uh, a national championship, right? Uh, there's like six current coaches in college football who have won a national championship out of 130. Yeah. Uh, right. Of D one schools. Uh, like it is, <laughs> which it, doesn't include Ryan day, by the way, you know, not, right. is not trying to take a shot, but it's just, that's a fact like that. That doesn't include Ryan day or Jim Harbaugh. And, has, and right. And Ohio state wants to fire him because of it. Like, it right. just, <laughs> I, I understand the desire to have high standards. If Penn state isn't, if, if that's not James Franklin's goal, then he's doing it wrong. It right. is his goal. It is what Penn state aspires to like Penn state is absolutely angling to position itself to do this every single year. Right give yourself a chance. The only way to give yourself a chance is to win 
11 games plus every year to, to, to go out and put yourself in a position to do that. And yeah. like when I look at roster construction, how they handle themselves, uh, you know, operation in the transfer portal, y- you name it, all of those different facets that create a program, culture, character, like again, these, these fundamental core elements to how they've built the program, being able to withstand the natural change that is rampant in college football. I just, I look around and I see a lot of programs who are just flailing in the night, trying to find anything to, to hang their hats on. <laughs> like they're just blue bloods places, yeah. places that have had a ton of success in the past who are firing coaches. And right? it's just like constant yeah. turnover yeah. and trying to find the next thing. And I know again, like people can have their opinions and it's fine. I, I don't, I don't begrudge people who don't think that James Franklin can get it done, that James Franklin can win the big one. That That's right. fine. That is its right. own conversation. But what I do begrudge is the notion that the stability that he has provided and the stability of the program as a whole is in any way, not a positive it, it is a total positive. It, it is the best thing that Penn State has going for it right now is consistency. And yeah. now with a new athletic director and a new university president and the board of trustees chair, uh, it, all seemingly pulling in the same direction in terms of their approaches to football, like uh, even more is out there. Even more is potential is there for Penn State moving forward. So this this is I was going to bring this up, Stephen, and I'm glad uh, Stephen brought this up. He said, honestly, James is the one setting the expectation partially. Everyone loves going back to and, and we we talk about this almost as if like it's a scripture at this point. The <laughs> the the great to elite comment yeah. after the Ohio State game. We go back to that all the time and like we we have to scrutinize it for meaning. Um, And and I, you know, I I get it. But this is this is my problem when it comes to coaches and players who say these things and say our goal this year is to win a national championship to be one and zero every single week and and honestly i think james franklin does a good job of not talking about national championships but one and zero, being excellent you know doing the things necessary every day to get to that that'll take care of itself but there's this conversation that we we have to have of the stated goals to win a national championship every year or even the unstated goal But if you don't do that, it's not a failure. Like you won eleven games. Yeah. And 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 this is this is the conversation of like they need to say those things because those are not. I'm not saying they're saying them just to say them, and they're not just like the right thing to say. But partly that of like you're not going to come out and say you know we'd be happy with seven wins. No idiot is going to say we're going to be happy with seven wins. (laughs) So we have to be adults. To say to to co- yeah. have the cognitive dissonance of they didn't achieve their goal, but it was still a victory in the long run because they were one of the most successful teams in a very competitive sport in a very competitive environment. Yeah. And people that don't want to have that, they don't want to balance those two scales. I feel like that's disingenuous. It's almost as disingenuous as saying we were going to win a national championship every year. Like right. it, it's it's the same thing. And right. that's Stephen. I'm glad you brought that up because to me, that's one of the most frustrating things when we're trying to have a productive conversation. And then we get to, yeah, well, oh, oh, and two against Michigan and Ohio state. 
uh, most of the teams in the Big Ten, if you haven't noticed, are zero and two against <laughs> Michigan and Ohio State. So, yeah, uh, uh, no, it, look, he, he they need to do it. <laughs> okay, like uh, make no mistake, uh, this season sets Penn State up to return to the expectation of being high. I mean, and they did it right. They were highly competitive in that Ohio state game. They weren't in the Michigan game and that was yep. a disappointment. There's no question about that, yep. but th- the notion that all of us, right. From the outside, everybody on the periphery, the 99% um, on the outside are going to go into next season with anything other than, and this is the dirty secret, the same mindset that exists in the program, right? Like yeah. that everybody yeah. else is going to have the same mindset of, Oh no, but yeah, Penn State should compete with Ohio State. And Penn yep. State believed that it would compete with Ohio State this year and did compete with Ohio State this year. Yep. It's just a matter of, hey, uh PJ Mustafer said it after the game. Uh like I'm paraphrasing here, but uh, you know, we didn't we didn't achieve what we wanted to this year, but pretty like we're very happy. We we feel a sense of proud. satisfaction, right? Yeah. Proud of, proud of, of what going they did. out. Right. And so there is the implicit statement there of we didn't achieve what we wanted. Well, guess what? If the goal is to go one and oh every single week, then pretty clearly and naturally the, the actual goal is to win a big 10 championship is to win national yes. championships is to win all the games. If you win all of the games, you get those other prizes. Yeah. <laughs> That's what comes with it. Right. Uh, you know, it, I, I hate to make these, it's probably a mistake, so I'll move on. But like, I, I hate to internalize things. But you, everyone views the world through their own lens, through their own personal sure. experiences. As as I, I was going to compare something to here, but that's largely apples and oranges, and not worth it. What I do want to get to is, I love it when we have guys like Steven who become BWI message board members because they they found the show, and I'm very happy that we've got some people here from the board that are joining the show. Uh, Fox Chapel Lion is here. He asks, uh, he says, Nate, TFC, and the On3 boys taking Blue White Illustrated New Heights. Very grateful, much like the trajectory of our team. Denny, this is one of the first times you've been a part of the show, so thank you. Appreciate you being here. Uh, Nate, uh, I don't have a a question. I don't have a, I'm just happy. That just makes, that tickles me pink. I'm just happy. Yeah, that's cool. That's that's cool. (laughs) Let's keep it going. Um, So with, with, I guess, circling back to the idea of legacy. Yep. We we have this particular win seems special, you know, like fitting this into place, the mm-hmm. Rose Bowl. Penn State hasn't won the Rose Bowl since 1994. Yeah. Um, they, they've only been in a handful of games. And when they've been in those games, you know, USC has been the major team thwarting them. Yeah, this game obviously is, I, I think, different yeah. in, in the sense of it felt like very modern, right? Utah, Penn State. Um, but at the same time, you have this particular win that is that that's to me, that's something special. Does that, does that carry weight with you beyond just another bowl victory? Uh, within reason, I would say, right. Uh, like you just, you don't control who you're up against, right. Uh, like for bowl games. And so that the, the 2008 Rose bowl, like that Southern Cal team 
could have been in the national championship. They they were unbelievable. Yeah. That was yep. that was an unreal team that Penn State faced. Uh, the the game in 2016 was an epic game. Just the game yes. itself, right? And so, uh, like I, I just deservedly I or not, a top five pick at quarterback on the other sideline and a, a host of NFL players. Totally, both sides. Totally. So I, you know, like winning or losing a bowl game, I think is a piece of the puzzle. I, I don't think it's, again, like it's just, it's kind of the, the, the thing that I think is relevant for this Penn State team this year is that it gives them a scalp. It, it, it gives them a yeah. significant win against a significant program. Yes. Um, that is, that is, uh, look, like beating Michigan State is always good. That's, a, that's always a good thing for Penn State yes. football. Yep. But there's a difference between beating Michigan State this year versus beating Michigan state last year, right? There, there, are just, there's different levels and different trajectories that different programs are on. And this is a Utah program that is very clearly on a, whether it's a plateau or not. I mean, you could make the argument that it's a plateau, but like Utah is a significant program. Utah is a relevant national program. Even the games that they lost were competitive. They they filled the void. Yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. I was going to say that I'm just going to agree with you here, but they, they filled the power vacuum in the Pac-12 pretty decisively. Like that USC has had opportunities with Lincoln Riley and the Heisman winner to take back that mental mantle as the leader in the Pac-12. And uh, they got kicked out the door by Utah. So, you know, unfortunately, the only picture I have of Utah that I threw up here on the YouTube channel was of Cam Rising being hurt, which was a significant story in the game. But yeah. that is a good football team. And, and I'm glad that one of the things I haven't seen this week is, oh, yeah, but how good was Utah anyway? Right. Do you know, do you know who else has consistency and is doing it uh, with that consistency? Who? As a program? Utah? Utah. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, and does Penn State, State want to be better than Utah as a program and nationally? Yeah, for sure. But it's not a bad place to... to get back to uh, particularly after uh, the, the two years prior to this year is, is just get back to that place, get back to a place like you had in 16, 17, 18 and 19. I, I want to pull this up. This is from earlier in the show. We didn't really have a spot for it, but uh, this question came through or this comment didn't like it when Penn State pulled the starters ran in the middle, not to score. Then Utah goes down to score lack of courtesy. That's just, a team like that, what we just described of Utah as a team that's not going to quit, they're not going to give up, they're going to be consistent. They're just trying to play the string out, right? Yeah. I, I don't think there's anything more than that. I want to make sure we got to that because, uh, you know, they were kind enough to donate, but I, I, I don't know where you're going. I don't know what thread you're pulling on there. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This one, by the way, Joshua. How much of James's success should be put on his coordinators and coaching staff? I would reverse it and say how much of James's success is based on his ability to identify the talent to bring in and be a good coordinator. 
is that the same comment or is it just putting a different spin on it? You know, what, what do you think? I don't see, I, I just, I don't, and maybe this is wrong because I, I, I get where this is going to sound like it's going. Uh, yes. James Franklin makes millions and millions of dollars. Uh, James Franklin can't do anything without the support of a army of people working alongside him. That yeah. is the players. That is the coaching staff. That is the, the support personnel, like you name it. Um, yes, th- there is a natural hierarchy that I think that you see in organizational management, but also the ones who do it best blur those lines the best. Yeah. They, they blur the line to where it doesn't feel as though someone is necessarily an outsized presence at the top. Like, yes, James Franklin is important as a figurehead and setting the direction and, and all of those different things are very important for him to do and to set an example as the head coach. But he would be the first person to tell you and to recognize that the health of the program is nothing without it being an overall holistic thing. It doesn't matter. (laughs) It doesn't like James Franklin can be be having the best year of his life, the best year professionally that he's ever had. And if everything else happening within his sphere is running amok, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. So I I just certainly felt like it this year when uh, the offensive line coach that he hired was able to develop an offensive line with a true freshman on it and win the Rose Bowl. Uh, So, yeah, I I think it's a symbiotic relationship i think it's it's that's kind of the idea um of of being able to do all that it's it the i always like the the analogy of the pulling the rope right it's everyone has to pull in the same direction everyone has to be pulling even if the guy who's leading is the guy at the front like everyone's pulling the rope i i feel like we could have this conversation for another 40 minutes but we can't because my son is screaming upstairs <laughs> and my wife will murder me. Uh, I, 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 I sympathize with you a little bit. Um. <laughs> yeah, I know. I got myself into this mess. Yeah. So this Oops. comes to the point in the show where we talk about this. And Lambda says, NIL and transfer portal being so impactful. Glad we have a CEO type head coach in charge. We always, and I, I feel better about you being here and looking towards the future sure. because this is, I think the sun is rising for a lot of Penn State fans. Is it, uh, it should, (laughs) should, should we be so optimistic about Penn State's chances in 2023? Somebody brought up in the chat. I I apologize for filibustering here because I want to find it because it was a really good point. Tom brings up the point sort of reminds me of Clemson before Watson and Lawrence took them to the top. Mm-hmm. One thing that is a shortcut is an elite quarterback. Now we've seen, mm-hmm. you can't do it all with just an elite quarterback. You have to have a good team structure, support, everything else. One thing Penn state has lacked, and this is no disrespect to either of the guys that have come through here. The main starters under James Franklin, neither of those guys were top five NFL picks like Watson and Lawrence or top 15. Should we be excited about that and or how excited should we be and how much of a wet blanket should I be to say we don't know anything about 
Drew Aller because we're putting that on him. Yeah. You know, by 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 this conversation, the optimism around 23 and 24, we are now putting that upon him that he is the he is the Deshaun Watson that is going to change this for Penn State. Yeah, it's just it's way too early for that. It, it's it's not deserved by I mean, look, there there are certain things that come with recruiting prestige. And so I think that that is valid and warranted that there are expectations yeah. that come with being a top three quarterback in your class. There are expectations that come with the, the 37 passes that we saw him throw this year. Okay. Like there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, are you going to put a national championship on the kid? No, <laughs> not. I mean, if you do, I, I think it's, it's way putting the cart before the horse. Uh, and so look, I, this year, this offseason, uh, and, and it's not wet blanket to acknowledge reality. It is go time for yeah. Penn State uh, development. Like, boring as that's going to sound, the spring practices, winter work, like winter workouts are just monumentally important to this program this yeah. year. Uh, you've got guys who... All of those early enrollees, of which their two quarterbacks are uh, in Prabula and Alar. Yep. Like the second time is just so much better. It is, oh, yeah. it is un universal yeah. that they talk about that. Uh, the second time through the car wash, so to speak, of winter workouts, spring practices, off-season workouts, you, you name it, all of that stuff. Uh, it is so much better the second time around. And now they have it. Mm -hmm. Okay. Like it, it's uh, this year's done. It's here. It's yeah. here. And so they get that opportunity, maximize it, do as much with it as you possibly can. There's still certainly some, some personnel issues that need to be uh, shored up and, yeah. and sorted out before next season. But yeah, like it, it, this is, this is generally where I'm at is what I was talking about with 11 wins. Just, just get to a point where you think that, 10 wins in the regular season is reasonable. Like get, get to a place where you think that 10 wins is reasonable. And at that point you are, you, you've put yourself in a position to be competitive and roll the dice, like see what happens. See what, like you, you cannot fly before you walk. And so Penn state as a program is yeah. walking like this is they're, they're walking again. And then yeah. they got back to 11 wins, walk, 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 and then see if you can beat Michigan is not, I mean, again, another conversation for another day, but Michigan continues to not be the measuring <laughs> stick that I see yeah. at Penn state. It is Ohio state. Yeah. Beat Ohio state. Like see, compete with Michigan, do better against Michigan next season, but yeah. maybe win that game. It changes when it's home. They, they typically have had a fairly good success. Both of those teams with at home. home and away. Right. Yeah. The home team it has been uh, the better team, in which most is why 2021 was kind of a frustrating game. Given Penn State was the home team, it was a battle and they lost it. And the, the home team had been holding serve throughout the uh, throughout the season. Gary comes in here. T Frank grade the progression of the O line and where they are going forward. Um, so this is something we were going to get to earlier in the show. And I got too excited about something else. We were going to talk about Caden Wallace and then where the O line goes next year. Uh, exceptional. Uh, except grade uh that's tough um it's all to me about individual players and and the individual players that you can point to 
Drew Shelton, Penn State has a real issue uh, next year. And it's where are you going to play Drew Shelton? Because he's got to play. His block that opened up the touchdown run for Nick Singleton, do not ignore that. He had a couple of plays in this game where we talk about the physicality of Utah. And we talk about how they were running downhill and they broke tackles and all that stuff. Penn State was getting getting theirs. And the offensive line was getting theirs. And one of those guys was Shelton. And I know James Franklin has talked about playing him at guard. Does he play tackle? He's got to play somewhere. And I guess this is kind of, and the, the problem here is it's going to get from one to the other of good to bad of Salim Wormley. I had a great talk with him at the Rose Bowl, a media day press conference. Very interesting player. Um, he's the perfect example of a guy who's taken some steps, but has deficiencies in his game. His pass protection is not where it needs to be. So this is the point about the depth that they've developed. The Shanu and, uh, you know, Wallace and Shelton all being there. If they need to kick somebody into guard, whoever that might be, you can't have a guy that can't pass protect. Like there is there. There's no this guy's kind of one sided anymore. He's not a good run blocker and not a good pass protector or a good pass protector, but he doesn't really get movement in the run game. You know, Lan Tangwell coming back next year. Presumably we're going to presume now he's going to be healthy. You've got Hunter Norzad going to center. These are all things that when, when we talk about being excited, I'm on board with the, with the excitement and the potential, the Penn state offensive line in the running game next year. Um, so it's about completion. It's about being complete next year. I think they had the first, the opportunity this year was there. If things worked out correctly, the opportunity is real next year to have a complete offensive line that can pass, protect and run block. And it's going to be on the staff and, and on the players there are going to be hard decisions that have to be made next year. Guys that have been starters might not be starters next year, and that's the position you need to be in. Now, how that goes with NIL and the transfer portal after spring, that's going to be tough to navigate. Like that's going to that's the danger here is that you've built up all this depth and Drew Shelton's progressing and he's going to get in the starting lineup and then a veteran wants to play and he transfers. So again, when we talk about 2023 and the magical run and the start of all of this, there are so many factors that need to be decided. So I am very excited. I, you know, a, a minus B plus somewhere that if you want like a very basic, simple progression of the offensive line, but you should have a complete unit next year. I, I thought they could get there this year, tackle pending. They have to get there next year. And, and Phil Troutwine has developed players to the point that this should be a reality. Any, I'm with you. Okay. I'm with you. No, I just I, <laughs> I get I on the to, roll and then I forget to like transition to the next thing. No, I mean my the only addendum that I would make is when you have a running back who can hit home runs and a quarterback yep. who presumably can hit home runs. Yep. Uh that that will help your offensive line. Like For the sure. offensive line will like the perception of the offensive line, whether they're actually phenomenal or not. Uh, if if the play action, for instance, becomes yeah. a thing next year that is just dialed in and yeah. you can actually complete some of those passes and a defense is scared one way or the other in both directions, like, yeah, yeah. the offensive line is going to be awesome. Like, it's going to be amazing yeah. because you have those different ingredients all coming together at the same time. I, I said this on, on Monday. It comes down to luck a little bit, too. You talk about the game against Ohio state, not having Caden Wallace. 
a physical player, right? A guy who's bigger to go up against JT Tulamoliao, who's a physical football player, very fast, very athletic, but a power guy, right? Not having that matchup, how did that affect the game? Uh, you know, Efner did a great job for most of the game. Penn State actually threw the ball down the field. And this is, this is I guess, where I, I'd push back on that, Nate, is there are times you're not going to be able to use play action. There are times you're not going to have – when I'm talking about a complete offensive line, they can hold up in pass protection and give your freshman quarterback uh, protection from the thing that I don't think he's very good at this year, which was pressure in his face. Nobody's good with pressure in his face. So yeah. if you can if you can elevate his level of play by hiding his weaknesses with that offensive line – you know, that's what we're talking about with being a year early with this group, in my opinion, of 23. Because here's what happens in 24. We talk about like two years away and Drowler will be a junior and Abdul Carter be a junior, all that stuff. Fashan who's going to the draft. And <laughs> you don't know that you're going to continually replenish. Now, I know that they've got uh, some excellent freshmen here. And, you know, that is abated by a role in recruiting. But strike while the iron is hot. And if that offensive line can elevate the level of play for the passing game and give them the opportunity to throw the ball deeper and give the receivers more time to get open, some of the issues and stresses of this season with the receivers not working open quickly, that's an area where the offensive line for once can be the guys to make everybody else look better. Sure. Um, and, 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 you know, kind of reversing those roles. I guess that's, that's the, the idea there. But you're absolutely right that it is there are ways that the offensive line can still function well without being complete. And and it's a little bit of both. Well, it, it's how, never I mean, one thing. How, how about Mike Yersich's role in all of that, right? Yep. The way he calls the game, the things that he's willing to do, the things that he's comfortable with for their, I mean, and obviously that it goes to receiver, right? Is is yep. how reliable is Keandre Lambert-Smith? Who, who are the other receivers who Penn State can rely upon or feel like they're... Um, you know that that's the best option so yep. it, it's all it's all interesting we have uh, a solid nine months to talk about it and i'm looking forward to it yeah and we'll be doing that here in the bwi daily edition one thing we did not talk about uh today mitchell tinsley made the uh, announcement he's going pro everyone knew that already but it was made a, an official statement today um also if you haven't yet check out our, our conversation from yesterday's show on devin carter penn State gets a receiver big part of the story here is the receiver position. Penn State land the first piece. BlueWhiteIllustrated.com for the film study I did today on Devin Carter, his strengths, his weaknesses, his areas of development, all of that stuff. So if you want to check all that out, Nate, anything you want to promote, anything you last thoughts here on the show as we round in the 60-minute mark? No, join us. Join us in the lines then. Come come check us out on 3.com. $30, right. $29.99. $29.99. I thought it was, I thought it was $20. Uh, I did it wrong the other day. So whoops. Oh, no. Uh, just pretend like you didn't know that. It's $29.99 uh, till next Either season. way, great deal. Yeah. Great deal. Check us out. I, I spent $30 in much worse ways and gotten less in return for my $30. You know, you also. Should... <laughs> Go anyway. Ahead. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm done. <laughs> all right. We're petering out here. So subscribe to all the things. Thank you to everybody who would listen to the podcast version. I'm Thomas Frank Carr. Please subscribe, download, rate, review all the stuff. Back tomorrow. Back tomorrow. 
Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.